If you're looking for a little inspiration and motivation today to keep going at your business and to do it in a way that serves you and provides fulfillment, then today's interview is one that you don't want to miss. Welcome to The Road to Seven. I'm your host, Sheila Cummins. I am an entrepreneur, a mentor, an investor, a wife, and mom to three beautiful children. Women entrepreneurs are up-leveling and changing the rules for business strategy, leadership, success, money, and impacting the world every single day. The Road to Seven is the diary of business strategy for women entrepreneurs. We meet you where you're at in your business and champion you along the road to your vision. And I am honored you chose to join us today. Ready to go? Buckle up. It's time to hit the road. Cutco Hall of Fame member Vonnie Fast is consistently the number one rep in Canada and within the top five sales representatives in the history of Cutco, a 70-year-old company. She built her database of 3,000 clients in her first 15 years of business almost 100% through referral, and has continued to use those skills to build the Cutco Closing Gifts brand across Canada. She attributes her success to a desire to bring value, a strong belief that business is all about relationships, and a deep commitment to being a student of the business. Today's interview is one that's going to leave you with ideas, with motivation to go and have a conversation with someone who needs you, not because you want to sell them, but because we are in the people business. I hope you enjoy my interview with Vani as much as I did. I heard my guest today speak at a networking event called Inspire Her, which was a, it was a Friday. It was noon. It was a, a huge mix of women that came together. And Vani Fast was the speaker. And there are very few people who can rock Zoom and absolutely have a massive audience entranced and hanging on to your every word. You could hear the scribble of notes being taken as Vonnie was talking. And it just was so clear that this was a person who had so much passion and brought so much value to the work that they did. Vonnie, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm genuinely honored to be here and and share some of my story, share some tips that uh, possibly could help your audience and other women entrepreneurs. So thank you for that intro. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Vani, you haven't always sold knives. Give us a little bit about a background of what you're doing now and how you came to be one of the top sellers within the Cutco business. I actually have always sold knives ever since I was four. It's uh, I really? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was saying, I can't see a four-year-old. Hey, look at what I got. You can slice frogs. You can. <laughs> Whenever I try to be funny, I'm not funny. But I actually, I have been selling Cutco since I was 18. So for almost 30 years. Well, I started, I actually, so prior to that, I was a server. I grew up in a small town. I was a, a you know, a server through high school. I did some babysitting. Like I really didn't, Cutco really was one of my first jobs. And so I was 18. I was taking marketing at University of Calgary. I was in business. So I had this kind of view of doing corporate work or something in business. And I stumbled upon, I actually ended up getting a full-time job at the university in admissions. So that's kind of how I thought I was going to do this nine to five gig through school. And then, and then from there into the corporate world. But 
I did stumble upon this advertisement for part-time summer work. I didn't really know what it was. I went into the inter- interview, but I was looking for just part-time summer, like resume experience. And I was intrigued by it. They showed this Cutco product. They said, you know, you start with your friends and family, you show them and educate them on this product. And I was like very impressed with the product itself when I saw it. And they're like, you start with your family and friends. There's a guaranteed pay. But if you sell Cutco, if you sell, you you make more than that. And it's really an opportunity to start your own business in a way and work not by your, like you have a people that will support you in this. Like you're not working by yourself as a solopreneur right away, you know, and there was no part of me that really wanted to do sales at all. I had a negative view of sales in general at that time. I was was like, I'm not a salesperson, but what I can do is I can go show this product. That's kind of fun. I can call my friends and family to practice. So I made a practice list. I can sit down with them at the kitchen table. I can show them these knives. I can have some fun. I can cut a penny with the parasites. It's like, and if they buy, they buy. And if they don't, they don't. There's no risk. And I could put it on my resume at the end of the summer and be done with it. That's what I was thinking. And deep down, actually, looking back, I wasn't, I really wanted to acquire some people skills. I wasn't really good with people. It's kind of shy, awkward. I just really wasn't. And I wanted to build that side. And there was part of me that was yearning to bust out of my comfort zone that way. And so this really did. So I went into training with it, three days of training. I started talking to my friends and family and started showing Keckle. And then one thing led to another. And by the end of that first summer, I realized I liked that, the relationship building aspect of it, which led to sales anyway. And it was kind of exciting and it was totally unexpected. And I ended up dropping this other nine to five gig that I had, that I had like set up. They were going to have me for all through through the summers through university. And I said, you know what? No, I'm going to do this weird knife gig through school and see where that takes me. And really one thing led to another. Uh, I, I ended university. I got my degree and I continued with Cutco. I did some management for a couple summers. And then I, I really found that I liked just building my database of clients bit by bit by bit. And my first 15 years with Cutco I ended up building my database, client base to almost 3,000 clients, almost 100% through referral. Because back then, and to this day, Cutco reps weren't allowed to really market their database or, or sorry, market the products in any other way other than through referral. So I had to learn how to do that. I had to learn how to ask for referrals, all that. And now I speak. Who knew that years, years later, I would speak to other business owners on repeat referral business because of what I learned through Cutco. And that's going to be the first 15 years. So there you go. That's incredible. You know, I think what's so amazing is here you are at age 18, sort of really encapsulating what Sales 101 is all about, which is being completely unwedded to the results of whether somebody says yes or not, and just leading with value and letting people make that decision for themselves. And, you know, I've seen so many sales trainings that really shift people into a place of forcing and coercion and manipulation. And, you know, I've seen people stand up on stage and say, that's okay. You can pay for my $40,000 program. Just go refinance your house. Oh, just pull out of your, you know, your 401k or your RRSPs so that you can, you know, invest in this program. And it's, it is such a backwards way of doing business. And I love that you've just started with, you know, leading with heart and just being like, hey, I've got this great product. You may want it. It's going to solve this problem. 
It's true. And actually, that's one of the biggest lessons that I came across that first summer was to small daily consistent action, rinse and repeat, like make the calls, have the targets, set up the presentations, practice my craft, learn some things behind the scenes, practice how to ask for referrals and learn all of but just detach from result, like detach as best I can. Results were exciting for sure. I had my goals, I had my sales goals, I had a thermometer of like, like, so I could visualize like, oh, what if I get this level? But I really learned to actually detach, like just to focus on the activity more than the results itself down to like, you know, down to making calls. I would be, I would be like, okay, 20 calls doesn't matter the results. That fact that you made 20 calls today and you gave it your all and you brought, yeah, and is, is the result, if that makes sense. And, and all I've carried that all through 30 years of businesses is always focused on the activity, rinse and repeat and the non sexy part of it. You know, it is really kind of the day to day. I wouldn't call it grind because I enjoy and I love reaching out to my clients, my sphere, all that, my referral sources, my partners. But, you know, it really is so much about the activity that. You watch the magic happen over time. And the other piece, like you said, is leading with value. I think that's the biggest lesson for me that's been reinforced, in, especially in the last few years, for some reason, maybe being in the community of people like with Richard Robbins and our mastermind group and Storm and some of these, and our company has always had this word where, yeah, you you stay committed to bringing value to people, your marketplace, your clients, you love on your people, you you bring value to them. It, it Everything else falls into place. And even now, you know, you're you're leading with speaking. The thing that I wanted to really pick up on, and then I want to talk a little bit more about the last 15 years and the light, the highlights and the lowlights, is the fact that, you know, for sure your goal setting, that's not going away. But it's the and I it's something that we at the Road to Seven call empowered action. You know, there's there's a couple different actions that you can take every day. There's actions that you feel like you should be doing. I should be posting to Instagram. I should be sending an email. And that's exactly the energy that comes behind it versus I have a sales target. And this is one of the things that I do is I have a sales target. I'm not 100 percent sure what's going to feed it. But I know that every conversation I have, I'm going to find the right fit for that person. And that's going to add to the sales goal. So it's not like I want X amount from here and X amount from here. And, you know, in your case, I want to sell this number of scissors and this number of pairing knives. And that's now what it's about. It's about how many conversations can I have? How many problems can I solve? And what's going to fuel that empowered action, I think, is so critical. And, you know, it is the unsexy stuff. But if you don't like it, like, why bother? How do you bring fun? Like, you know, I have to make 20, 20 sales calls. How do you make that fun? How do you keep doing it? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Well, it's shifted through the years, right? And I'm really, really clear on my mission and, and vision beyond the sales goal. Like, I'm really clear that something is driving me beyond that. Yes, it's nice to have numbers. You know, wow, I, I could sell this much this year or this or that, or whatever. I could have this many clients. But I think for me, like always coming back, I've written in the front of my journal, impact people, like just teach business owners to get grow through giving. You know, I really truly believe over 30 years, I've seen loyalty, like I, I mentioned this in the talk I gave to your our group is loyalty is the number one thing we could ever ask for. And generosity is the most powerful tool to unlock that loyalty. So how can I be generous today? How can I be generous with giving my time and attention, my value? How can I help? Like what you said, how can I help? So I think I don't always feel like making the calls. I don't. Sometimes I'm like, ah, you know, but I 
really have gotten good at just starting in, you know, making that, taking that baby step. But I often, the first baby step for me is like asking myself and really coming from a place of how can I serve today? How can I bring value to people? How can I help? And I'm pretty aligned that, you know, part of my mission is to really inspire or impact people thinking about generosity, whether they're giving our gifts or whether they're giving some other gifts or whether they're being generous in other ways in their business with their clients, with their staff. So I remind myself, I guess, of my vision. And then I take tiny baby steps <laughs> to just, and that, that seems to fuel the momentum and fuel the drive and fuel it all. So I'm not sure if I'm answering what you were saying there, or what you were asking. <laughs> That's well, funny. I think you are. And I think, you know, one of the things, again, that we teach is this concept of a power move. And a power move is that small action that you can take each and every day that's going to get you closer to your end goal. And it literally could be as simple as today, I'm going to make a list of the 20 people that I'm going to call. And then tomorrow it might be, I'm going to find their phone numbers. And then the next day it might be, I'm just going to call three today. Yeah. You know, that is how small it can be. But if you're not making those actions, you are not going to get through those 20 calls. That's right. And when you come at it, you know, it's so interesting. One of the books that I'm reading is talking about the mental state that you have to be in when you're making an offer or you're sending a, a message or you're, you know, giving a talk is it's not so much about what's in the message. It's the place from which you're coming. And, you know, one of the things, Vani, that really struck me during your presentation was that genuine care for humanity. And that genuine spirit of generosity, because I think that you can, you know, I see some people coming at it from two different ways. They're like, yeah, I'm really generous. I'm really generous because I'm going to make a sale on the end, right? Or I'm, I'm going to be leading with value, but it's, it's very coerced value because I'm going to be making a sale on the end. How do you stay aligned with just that true human, human to human spirit and connection? Such a good question. I think I've gotten, how do I stay aligned with that? I think I just, so there's this quote, giving starts the receiving process. Yes. And I love that one from Jim Rohn. And I think that there's definitely the being generous and giving value because you know, somewhere along the way, it's all going to come back somehow. And like, but I think even more so in the last couple of years, and I'm not sure exactly what's influencing this for me, but I feel like being generous in my business. Maybe I, I read Give and Take with uh, Adam Grant and different books that, and being influenced by some of my mentors and being generous, not for necessarily, of course, when you're generous and you're giving and you're doing all that, reciprocity is real, right? And it does all come back to you. And But I really like the idea of being generous just to inspire other giving. Like, right. Why not just, let's just be generous to inspire generosity. And I've been influenced by John Rulin. He wrote Giftology, different people store, but I, I love coming from that place. And that's maybe it's also who I want to live into and who I want to, because I was always that way. I actually think like in the past, I definitely was way more attached yeah, as much as I was like detached from the, you know, I can get attached to results and stuff. At the same breath, I would say I really focus on mastering my craft in a way that I want to be great at what I do, like practicing my presentation for that group. I really want it. It's one way, I guess, of being generous. I don't know. I, I'm really focused on being a master of and a student of my business so that I can, when people are ready to order gifts or not or whatever, I, I'm ready to help them. Like I can not push them in any way, nothing like that, but I can 
guide them in the process to be able to help them. So I think it's kind of twofold, like gen- being generous and giving to be able to inspire other generosity and generosity and giving. And then also being really good at my craft so that when people need the help, I can help them. I can, you know, we'll get you your gifts. We are going to help you with whatever you, you need. So I think, I don't know. I don't know if I'm making any sense here, but <laughs> I think you're making great sense and it's totally <laughs> worth it. And you know what I'm thinking about while you're talking is there's a need to have that abundance mindset. You know, in order to be truly generous, you cannot be worried about where your next paycheck's coming from. That's that something that you've had to work on or is it just yeah, who you are? Yeah, I don't think I ever would have started sales. It was sort of pitched to me as 100% commission because I'm so risk averse. I, I consider myself such an unlikely entrepreneur in a way. But because they had a guaranteed payback, then I felt comfortable to start with this, that I knew that I didn't have to push anybody or nudge anybody or or pressure anybody for anything for me to be able to eat, <laughs> you know? And I admire people that can work through that and, and get to where they need to be, where they're giving value and not worried about the paycheck. But it is true that really, technically, I never had to collect that base pay, I guess. I've been technically 100% commissioned for 30 years. It's definitely gotten easier as I've led with value as I've mastered my craft or practiced my skill, it's definitely gotten easier through the years to not worry about that so much because mm-hmm. it, you just kind of get a trust that a lot of it will come. You also have proof that it works, right? <laughs> like, there's something to be said for evidence. Yeah, I wasn't having to reinvent the wheel from the very beginning, you know, like uh, a lot of stuff was handed to me, like, this is how to ask for referrals. This is how to plant the seed for referrals. And then I would just make it my own and I would crack. This is how to do the calls. This is how to, you know, here's how to educate. And, and obviously I've been done coaching and conferences and learned so much all through the years to be able to apply those things. So, but it does get easier. It does get easier to do that. But I also think the important piece here is, you know, there is some, with all business things, there's universal truth. There's a theory, there's a process. There's, you know, a flow to how things just tend to work. But what you said that I think a lot of people forget to do is to make it their own. Right. You know, I see this when it comes to email marketing or online funnels or launches. You know, Guru ABC says, this is how you do it. These are the seven steps that you have to take. Here's what you do first. Here's the swipe file. Here's the this. And people go through this process and it just feels so you know, disingenuous, which is why they're resisting it. They're like, I don't understand why it's not working for me. It's because it's not your way. And so I think we have to be critical thinkers when it comes to putting into practice what works and looking at the purpose, you know, for example, in relationship building, what is the purpose of having just a networking, getting to know you call before having, you know, more of a gifting conversation, if you will, you know, the, the universal, there's just universal truth, but we have to do it in a way that is us. Yeah. It's so interesting. I have a, I have a unique theory to the, well, not well, in practice, what I learned, it's, I used to tell this story in one of my first talks that talks I gave about building referral business is I remember being past the script. Same with when I came. So 15 years later, when I came in the gifting industry, Cutco came out with a program called Cutco Closing Gifts and invited all the top Cutco representatives in North America to break that gifting program to their local real estate market. And that's what I did. And again, I was given a script to be able to present to a group of realtors and say, here's what we do. But here's the thing. I had learned this previously. At first, I completely rejected the scripts because you said it, it felt disingenuous. 
But here's the most interesting thing that I learned, and it doesn't make it necessarily true in all cases. But I had tried to invent the wheel on my own of how to ask for a referral, and I wasn't doing really well at it. I had no confidence there. I was kind of wishy-washy asking for it. And I had put that script aside, and I was miserably failing my first summer at getting referrals. I had gone through all my practice list, and I had 12 referrals left or something. And we weren't allowed to market. Like I said, we weren't. there was no such thing as Facebook ads and online lead jet, anything like that that was available to me. So it was all through referral. It had to be. No door knocking, no cold calling. I wouldn't have done that stuff anyway. But I actually, my manager sat down with me and he's like, Ronnie, do your referral ask for me right now. And he put me on the spot. I turned beet red and I couldn't even, I was like, uh, well, I just say it differently. Uh, like I, he's like, well, you don't know it. You don't know it like the back of your hand. You need to know it so that you come across with that confidence. So he told me to go. He said, go home and memorize that thing. Until it's like an actor with their lines or actress with their lines. And so you, and what I discovered in that was the weirdest thing is I took that, I memorized it. And so I had it kind of embodied within me and I practiced it and practiced it. So it would roll off my tongue a little bit more. And then I made it mine. Then it was like, as soon as I was ready to ask, so it gave me the confidence. And so since then, I've actually learned to take the things people give me learn them. Like I'm never above writing down, scripting out something I knew I need to learn. Like, okay, some people have gone before. They know how to do this. So let's like script it out, get it in me. So I know the lines and then, you know, be an actress or an actor and step out on that stage and embody it and make it mine. So I've actually learned the power of practicing behind the scenes so that I can actually be more authentic with it if that makes sense, and confident at the same time. So I, I kind of found a way to do it. You could do it without that, but that's what I found my process with that, to work that way. Now I script out my own stuff, maybe more like that talk I gave, you know, I created that and gave it. So well, that's where the authenticity comes through. Funny, can't all have been roses and unicorns over the last 30 years? <laughs> what have been some of the most challenging parts of you either growing or maintaining the status that you're at or, you know, what's it been like? What's been the hardest parts? Yeah, that's interesting. I would say like my, towards the end of my first 15 years of in-home sales and service, I felt like I had really gotten to, I hadn't arrived, but I knew I was ready for something new and different. And I had this beautiful database of residential in-home clients that had bought Cutco and I would go and service their Cutco and all that. So I had built this great thing. But I knew I wanted to spread my wings. I just didn't know what that was. And it was kind of terrifying for me because so much of my identity was attached to that. It's all I'd ever really done since I was 18, right? And then just as I was like, okay, I'm not sure where I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to maintain that database. And then what else? What's next? And then Cutco came out with that program, gifting program. It's like, wow, I could still be with this company where I have a lot of mentorship and leadership. I could still stand behind the product that I love and really do believe in. And I could bring this gifting program to realtors and mortgage workers. And so, but it was a challenge because I've had to, it was, it was, even though it was the same company, I still had to become a real student of the business again. I had to really be okay with not knowing how to do the thing I was starting to do. So I guess it's when anybody steps into a new comfort zone, absolutely outside of their comfort zone for the most part, stepping into launching a new business. Like it was new for me. It was a whole different animal. And so that was one thing. And again, I, I, I drew on like going, 
you know, learning from people that had gone before and kind of putting my own authenticity and spin on it. Because you can't really be anybody but yourself ultimately. And now it's evolved over the last 15 years. And I would say another huge, I would say another huge challenge was a few years ago, I, I partnered with a colleague and it went south. We tried, we crossed the T's, we dotted the I's. And for so I, reasons that are still hard for me to reflect on, we lost not only our business partnership, but our friendship. And she was a 25 year colleague and friend. And it was devastating for me. I really had to pick up the pieces. And as I was picking up the pieces, COVID hit. And suddenly I, I was presenting all across, or I was presenting mostly live events actually here in Calgary and speaking to realtors and all that kind of stuff. And suddenly that those opportunities were no longer there. All my presentations canceled, no, no live events, nothing like that. And so it was a interesting intersection of trying to rise up from a devastating blow for me, loss of a friendship as well, and trying to pivot through COVID. And so I reached out to my colleagues, women, actually in North America, down in the States. I said, guys, let's, or ladies, let's start a mastermind group and let's work through this together. And we did and we pivoted and I learned how to do what I do online. And it's been transformative. Last two years, I've been able to present all across Canada on Zoom at various stages and office meetings and brokerage team meetings and things like that. And almost almost tripled my business. And our business was really strong before that. So those have been significant moments in time that, you know, shifting out of my comfort zone and actually going through that situation with that colleague. I think anyone can relate to this when you go through really hard times, struggles like that. You just want to get out of them. You just want to, you know, it's probably going to be transformative in some way. And it actually really, when I look back on that, the last two years, it's coming out of that, I've found more of my voice. I've found more of my own way of doing things, my voice, my, something has transformed within me for sure. Where, Yeah. So I, I look back on that and I'm incredibly grateful for that experience, mm-hmm. it was really devastating. So those have been some of the tougher, tougher things. And then finally, just like working through mental health challenges and things like that. Like when I first came out of the closet, when I was 25, I, I fell into a depression, even though it was completely authentic and aligned. It was just identity shattering and it was yes. real comic oh And then even going through that experience with my colleague a few years ago now, three years ago, I fell into the same thing. And so just having to deal with some people look at me and they're like, Bonnie, you have incredible energy, loving, generous. And, and, you know, behind the scenes, I've, I've had really clinical depression, I would say twice. And so throughout my days and my months and my years, I've managed that. I, I really focus on my mental health and my physical health and my spiritual health. I have a morning routine. Like I just do all of the things that I can to keep myself healthy and so those are those are some of the behind the scenes that I think some people just don't know. Well, and you know, I think everything that you said is so relatable. You know, the one thing that I heard you say is that power of community mm-hmm. and raising that white flag and surrendering and saying, "Hey, yeah. I need a little bit of help here." I think that is both scary and empowering. And you know, I love that that community was able to rally around you and champion you. And the other thing 
you know, I don't, you didn't say it explicitly, but what I've heard and something I've had to work on, my mental health can be very fragile as well. And I work really hard to separate my company from who I am as a person. My identity is not tied to the road to seven. It is not, you know, I am an entrepreneur. Like it is, I am a woman. I am a mom. I am a wife. I am, you know, I am me. And I run a company and the two are not connected because when the company's not going well, it's just because my sales and marketing aren't working, period. It's a system error. Right. When I'm not working, (laughs) it's because I also have a system error, but it's not related to the company. And, you know, like that, that need to, you know, I love that you talked about physical and, and emotional and spiritual and mental health. You know, those are four energy buckets that we have to be dealing with every single day. And when we don't prioritize that, that's when things go south. That's 100% true. And I'm learning the power even more of self-care, compassion, what that means, not just a bubble bath at the end of the night, like just like proactive yeah. and being grateful. I like, I've always been one to have a gratitude practice, practice and exercise and those sorts of things. But even, even like, even in the state of the world and everything that's going on right now, I've doubled down on some of those practices that just yes. grounded, keep me centered. What, you know, I have a, a practice in the morning where I sit with my coffee and my cat and I journal about what I'm grateful for. And then I, you know, maybe read a little bit, maybe don't, but then go work out. And it just seems to start things off like a morning practice. I know we all have heard of that, Emil, but even one piece I added to my practice lately is taking a picture of something of beauty or something I'm appreciating in the day. And I share it with a friend of mine, like just little things, right? Appreciating the beauty daily life, which, you know, it just, yeah, those, those are important things, right? Our optimal health and tending to ourselves. And I love what you said about identity. I think it's been a journey for me to, and it still is, I'm still separating, still, we're actually, we're actively working on separating my identity from the knife girl, my business to, I know deeply that I'm more than my business. But I think that does, it's really, really important to actually do that, to, to have that, work on that. Well, and even just to have the awareness of it, because I think it's so dangerous to have your self-worth tied to whatever your revenue is. And as much as a lot of our revenue is in our control, there's a significant amount that is out of our control. Now, things like I think COVID, you know, maybe highlighted that, you know, people's businesses just went to zero, not because of anything they did, just because. Yeah, that's a, a big thing. Like I said, I have to work on it and we work on it in our programs as well. And, you know, I think we can get lost in our business yeah. and we get lost in it and lost in all of the various responsibilities that we have. And I think, yeah, I don't know how many women I talk to and they're like, you know, I'm saying to them, well, what brings you joy outside of your work? And there's like literally crickets that come by and there's this awkward <laughs> silence and it's, oh my gosh, it's been I think it's been 25 years since I think I haven't done anything but work or I haven't right. done anything but work and mother or work and do this and work. Right. And, and it's, you know, who we are as people. Yeah. Really critical. So that is a piece of my journey as well. Cause I fall into that bucket now too. You know, my kids are older. They don't need me as much. I'm like, oh, who am I? <laughs> I love what we're, I love what we're talking about here because yeah. I actually am journaling, right? Like, I've very much focused. I started a blog just called Follow the Joy. And I, because so much of what I want to do even this year, it hasn't been 30 years of just focusing on work for me and my business because I always traveled all the way around my business. I did, but especially during COVID, because I, we couldn't, my, my wife and I didn't travel. 
because we just, we, our social lives kind of went smaller like everybody's. I deep dove into my work. Also, I felt like I just had something to prove to myself after that failed business partnership. I'm a, so I dove into my work and what an incredible time to have done that and expanded our brand. And it's been mind blowing for me. And now I'm getting back to, I would, I don't know, back to, but I'm actively going, okay. So you dove into your business for the last two years. You did things that you didn't even think were possible. Now, what brings you joy outside of that? So I'm exploring my capacity to experience, share things that are joyful. That's what my main personal slash professional, because my, my work does give me a lot of joy. And I think, well, yeah, your listeners will relate to that. Our business, uh, I'm not a parent, but uh, except I have a cat, 15 year old piece. I, I get a lot of joy from my business, but, but yeah, I'm actively looking at that just like you. Well, what brings me joy outside of my work and right? blog post that was a little bit of joy yeah oh good that's amazing so you know tony robbins talks about the six elements that feed our our needs for fulfillment and for a satisfying life and i don't know if i can pull them all out right now but you know variety security love relationships there's one other and then growth and contribution are two of the most critical and you know when you are running a company where for me anyway, it feeds literally every single one of those essential needs. Like, hot dang, it's hard to step away from the computer sometimes because I really don't get that much joy from doing laundry. You know, cleaning my kitchen is not something that's feeding my need for variety. And so it is finding those things, you know, outside. And, you know, I I think you're totally right. Two questions and then I'm going to let you go. Question number one. Yeah. How do you know now that you wish you knew when you started? Well, I did as, you know what, what comes to mind is to, number one, trust you being you is enough. <laughs> I love that quote uh, somewhere along the way, or I made it a quote for myself. And, and to remind myself and others, self-doubt, especially when you're stepping into something new, but even if you're not, self-doubt is a completely normal part of the human experience, especially in business. And so what would I tell myself is that, was that let self-doubt, those sorts of things that maybe you might be like, judging yourself on, or at least I, like some of the people that are most, that I look up to the most have periods of self-doubt or moments of self-doubt. Just allow that to fuel your preparation. Allow that to fuel you. Don't let it debilitate you. Don't let it be in the driver's seat, but acknowledge it. And just like, that's such a normal part of running a business, being human, being a parent, I guess, right? Like all of these sorts of things. That would be one thing I would tell myself, like, just allow that self-doubt and then do it anyway your preparation and gold for it and and just be open be open when you come with love and service and value in your heart and you got some self-doubt there nattering on the side that's okay like before my presentation to your group i i totally was like nervous because i'd never done that particular talk but i prepped it i practiced it i was like i want to i'm here to impact i'm here to bring value and then let's jump out of that plane and see see how things go amazing final question I assure you, people are going to want to follow up with you. They're going to want to find you. They're going to want to learn from you, connect with you. Where should people find you? How can people find you and connect with you? Yeah, yeah. Bonnie Sharp Gifts. So it's V-O-N-N-Y. Sharp Gifts is my Instagram handle, Facebook as well. And sharpgifts.ca is my team website, our team website. Those would be the best spots. Yeah. And I'd love to hear from people. I'd love to hear 
any questions, how was impacted, anything that spoke to them. These are, these are great things to know. So. Amazing. What's yeah. next for you, Vani? What's next? Well, you know, finding and following the joy in my business and outside of my business. I think continuing to nurture and build a team, a dynamic team that I love working with and to support even more just being able to do the things I love within my business and delegate the rest. <laughs> I'm on the way to that, which is really great. And just, I don't know, continuing to see, like, be open to wherever this leads. You know, it's always been like that for me. I, I, we'll see. We'll see. As long as I have love and value and service in my art, we'll, let's see where this takes us. Fantastic. Uh, well, we can't wait to follow and see as well. Thank you for coming today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to The Road to Seven. If you found value in what you've heard today, please leave us a five-star rating and a written review. You might just get a shout-out on an upcoming episode, and you never know when I'm going to be mailing some surprise treats to our reviewers. Make sure to subscribe so you automatically get notified when new episodes are released. Are you looking for a way to connect with other entrepreneurs that are facing the same challenges as you? I'd love to connect with you in the Road to 7 Facebook group on Instagram and LinkedIn. Just head to SheilaCummins.com. You will find all the links that you need right there. Together, we'll explore more ways to support your shift into action so that you can grow your business to finally match your vision. I love aligning your vision of success with strategic and intentional actions because that is how we will grow your business to match your vision. I focus on women, all women, because women hold the keys and the power to creating a powerful and positive world through their impact. We'll see you on the next episode.